Hi, I'm Lauren Finley-Jacob. Hi, I'm Dane Story. And together we co-host the Of Common Clay podcast. I'm a filmmaker, writer, backyard gardener, and permaculture enthusiast. And I'm an ethnobotanist, an herbalist, a women's spirituality scholar, and a proud chicken mom. And together we love talking about all these things and more and finding ways to deepen our connection to the earth, to regenerative ways of healing and tending the land and feeding communities so that together we can live in abundance and uh, of health and excellent food and more fun and more play and creativity in our lives. We're really fascinated with myth and story and the intersections of food, health, wellness, medicine, um, and what these ancient teachings can bring into our future. Thank you very much for being here and welcome again to the Of Common Clay podcast. It's a struggle always to keep this idea of like differentiation while being part of this great oneness, you know? Um, and a good metaphor I like is like that you can think of it as, you know, on your body, this is all one body, right? But your hand is not your foot. And that's kind of how we are in society too. Like we can be part of this collective society, cultural, familial, whatever level you want to look at that in collectivism. But we need to be able to remain differentiated while also still being a part of that conclusive whole. Here we are. We've committed at least three times. We have. <laughs> we have. We've committed three times. And we're here today, um, many months after we filmed the first episode three, mm -hmm. which is no surprise, I think, to our audience now that we've filmed and then gapped and then put out this podcast. Yeah. And the first time we recorded episode three, we were talking about a story that is basically the pandemic of the unvaccinated, which at the time we thought um, was, I don't even know, slightly, we definitely wanted to talk about it. Maybe I'll just leave it there. We definitely wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so now here we are. Um, I'll just interject real quick. We recorded this, what, what is going to be the second part of this episode, uh, back on September 9th, 2021, as that story, the pandemic of the unvaccinated was really hot and heavy in the media. Um, and so, yeah, we wanted to talk about how that came to be a dominating myth of our times and when we say myth and story we don't 
necessarily mean not true. I just want to clarify that early on because we're going to talk about myth and story a lot in this podcast. Um, but we mean to focus on what the story is and who the storytellers are and what the roles are of the story and what the themes are and those kinds of things. And in these cases, the dominating stories of our world, like who's funding the mechanisms uh, becomes highly, highly important. And so we talk about that and um, now here we are. And you may ask like why we're jumping all around in time a little bit here and uh, there's there's a lot of um, kind of feeling today in our um, science world and it creeps into all sorts of um, stories that we tell ourselves uh, today in this accelerating fast-paced world that you know if six months has gone by then suddenly like we've learned so much and anything six months ago now is like either debunked or fact and we can only live in in like this present moment of whatever the story is and uh, which is an interesting thing to end up talking about uh, but um, I think looking at COVID as just a fragment of space-time which will get into our our thoughts and truths of the nuance of what time even is and, and that it's like just a concept and a tool and a mechanism we've created. Um, we'll start talking about that next episode. Next episode and, and on into the future, but especially in next episode. But um, thinking about the COVID story, here we are now. We're recording this on March 2nd, mm -hmm. 2022. And this episode will come out next Tuesday, March 8th, March 8th, 2022. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and we just wanted to kind of fill in some gaps because there's been updates to the story since we recorded this podcast will probably be a, a good amount of us recording something and then a little bit of a delay between when it comes out and when we record, but we hope to also be more efficient with that, um, time gap in the future. So this will be, we have a flow now. We do. We do. We know what it is. We're starting to get, get better at that. And so, um, we want to talk about a few things here in the opening before we toss it back to September 9th, 2021. And a couple of them are just to highlight what the stories of the day were then. Pandemic of the unvaccinated we already mentioned. Highly contagious Delta variant was the other one. This was pre-Omicron when we um, discussed this. Of course, I'm actually not 100% sure. Maybe I'll have to put this up on the screen, but I'm not sure that Omicron wasn't actually a variant at the time it just wasn't hot in the news yeah, delta the, variant the main story was yeah. yeah and they were using this variant to drive home the pandemic of the unvaccinated story it was the delta variant the delta variant delta Sorry. variant was the protagonist or antagonist i guess depending on what lens you have of the story of the pandemic of the unvaccinated yeah in a way it's like the the anti-hero of the story because it, it it becomes the the thing that everybody's focused on and it's almost like they're rooting it along <laughs> uh just 
it feels that way at times. Tonight, new misery in the metrics as the numbers trend in the wrong direction, fueled by the highly contagious Delta variant and unvaccinated Americans. Highly contagious Delta variant spreads across the country. Especially in light of this new, more contagious Delta variant. Lindsay. Market. That you're not going to see a wave or a surge of infections among the vaccinated. It will be a surge of infections among the unvaccinated. Concern over the highly contagious Delta variant. There is a clear message that is coming through. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is definitely a pandemic amongst the unvaccinated. The only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. So um, at, the, at the time in the ninth, we focused on those things. Uh, on that day, the Biden administration through OSHA uh, announced that they were going to um, have a federal mandate for all private companies and federal employees. Uh, the private company rules for companies of 100 people or more. Mm -hmm. Just one of the endless arbitrary variations in this story. Um, yep. But they targeted big companies so that they could, you know, get compliance within the workforce. They're very clear about you know, the language for why they decided to do it. They say it was to protect the unvaccinated, to force them, to mandate it. Um, it was a vaccine mandate. Right. Yeah. A vaccine mandate. Sorry, thanks for the clarification. I, I actually couldn't remember if you said specifically vaccine mandate or mandate, but it was a vaccine mandate. No, it's an important distinction. And the penalty for non-compliance was a fine. It was a fine of $14,000, but there were... They were trying to legislate mechanisms based on this OSHA rule that they were trying to implement. They were trying to legislate mechanisms that could extend that fine to anywhere to like tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, the $14,000 fine was just per violation. So I imagine, you know, that means like per, per unvaxxed person. person. So, yeah. So it, it made first a lot of rash decision making after that announcement was made that everybody had to be vaccinated by November 22nd, 2021, less than a year after these vaccines became public in the role in the public rollout. Um, they, they went there and they used the highly contagious Delta variant story and the pandemic of the unvaccinated to drive home, forcing more of the population, coercing more of the population into getting them, or if you then decide not to, uh, you face societal penalties that we get into a little bit in this episode. Um, and so that brings us to a little bit of a conversation that shouldn't be new to anyone at, at this point, but I think this story is a perfect place to examine the nature of who's telling stories, the shifting narratives of those stories, and what gaslighting essentially is. That's what I'm bringing to the table. Through that. Well, yeah, um, I think it's, it's super important to talk about this subject because there's a lot of finger pointing that goes on at who's delivering misinformation or gaslighting. Uh, and it, it's the dominant narrative makes it seem like people questioning things are gaslighting. 
And so we can get into a little bit of that, but like, let, let's kind of take up the issue of gaslighting from an even more zoomed out perspective, just what it is. And, and then we can interject how COVID applies and how other things though in our, in our dominant systems and structure apply to what gaslighting does to uh, people. Yeah. And before I get into the, to the deep, dark depths of what gaslighting is, because it's horrible if you've ever been through it. Uh, I wanted to just also mention that one of the reasons we wanted to keep this episode and record a new intro for it is because this story hasn't died yet. This story of like the unvaccinated kind of driving things. And we'll get into that in this talking about gaslighting. But I also wanted to just say that for you and I, from the beginning in 2019, we have had the same story of sense making for both of us, and our story has not changed at all. Um, and I just wanted to be really specific with that, that like, our story and how we've perceived this COVID thing playing out has been, yes, informing ourselves of different people's opinions, but our, our story hasn't changed of the roles that pharmaceutical companies would play, the roles that the media would play in speaking about, discussing, and propagandizing. I know I've said that on this podcast already, but it's so true. They've been propagandizing this whole occurrence in the media. Um, and basically at the time of recording this podcast the first time back in September, we were even talking about an article that had come out in June. So yeah. what, what this all is to say when we're talking about gaslighting is that it's, it becomes something that is long and consistent over time. This whole COVID thing obviously has been going on for what, like two years, two plus years now. And uh, of course, we're all exhausted by it. But one of the things that you and I really wanted to discuss is like, okay, how through all of this have we kept our sense of like, groundedness in what our story is and that for us has been I think um easy because our stories come from not the news you know we're it's not something like necessarily external that's dictating how we perceive things mm -hmm. we spend so much time thinking about health about the roles institutions play about how information is always manipulated and it's always biased, um, regardless of whatever side you think you're on. Um, and the nuances to what reality really are, which we'll get into as this podcast, you know, evolves with each other and we have more time to just get into that because it's, yeah. um, it's complex and it's also wonderful and beautiful. But we're very rooted in what our narrative is mm -hmm. and it's and it's solid it's not changed yeah. nothing that has happened has changed has well let me ask you has anything that's happened so far really changed your perspective on th anything 
um, <laughs> you know, I've I've actually learned more things about the process of disease naming and things like that. So if anything, I've become much more skeptical of dominant medical system narratives during this time because it gets back to like what you're talking about is belief versus knowing. And when you start outsourcing what you know to this ability where you can't discern for yourself what you know, and because I've never outsourced health decisions to a doctor, a priest of the medical industrial complex that knows all and does all and gives you this and does this for you and tells you what to do, but, but they don't tell you like things about nutrition and lifestyle. I mean, not they don't, but it's just highly underemphasized. It's and, very rare. And it's not, it certainly isn't in the mass media. What we're talking about is the uh, dominating gaslighting narrative that's emerging from our dominant health systems. Anyway, yeah, no, nothing's changed for us. Um, you know, little things we learn along the way, but that's how, that's what life and growth is all about. It's about this shedding and just constant curiosity for, for what's most true and how can we be most in communal um, health together. Um, it, it, things that have always piqued my interest and more and more in this time, I'm trying to think about way, ways to do that. So if anything, it's just enlivened my spirits for like focusing on these things so that people don't have to be chasing this belief and being like, well, if I don't know, how could you possibly know what's going on? Um, because I, I, what I know is what's going on for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on for you actually, but that's where the fun of conversation and dialogue and learning from each other comes in. But yeah, I don't participate in a world of outsourcing my health to Anthony Fauci or the CDC or the WHO. I never have. I don't plan on it. I'm willing to be convinced if I like, can see some evidence, but nobody wants to really have that conversation. They just want to do the performative outcasting and gaslighting that they are, that we are all presented with. This anti-vaxxer, vaccine, anti-vax story has been emerging for a long time. And they've really ramped it up in the media and the PR and marketing agencies and the vaccine companies over the last 10 years because they've turned it into one of the most massive profit industries in, in the globe. And they're not shy about it. It's one of the Bill Gates's hugest return on investment. It's one of his biggest brag, bragging points is the ROI, not the health outcomes. Yeah. So anyway. Um, That's probably a good segue to get into gaslighting. Let's get into gaslighting. All right, so I actually pulled up an article and this will be linked in the show notes. Um, this was from Very Well Mind. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> Honestly, a blog, I just, I think. I think it's probably a blog. Um, the article is called What is Gaslighting? It was written by Sherry Gordon. Um, and this article was updated January 5th, 2022. So still relevant. All right. Um, and I just kind of wanted to not read the ex whole article, but a good portion of the article because it just brings such good points and we'll use each point to just kind of discuss how we believe the government, media, and pharmaceutical companies have been gaslighting people this whole time. So first, what is gaslighting? It's usually an emotional abuse technique 
that um, most commonly spoken about in like interpersonal one-on-one relationships. Although as we will be discussing today, it can definitely transcend into huge systems um, that, that don't function on an individual basis. So gaslighting is a technique that undermines a person's perception of reality. I think that's really the key here. So when some, and this is all a quote I'm reading, all right? When someone is gaslighting you, you may second guess yourself, your memories, recent events, and your perceptions. After communicating with the person gaslighting you, you may be left feeling dazed and wondering if there's something wrong with you. You may be encouraged to think that you're actually to blame for something or that you're just being too sensitive. Gaslighting can confuse you and cause you to question your judgment, memory, self-worth, and overall mental health. It may help you to know more about the tactics a person who is gaslighting you might use. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the tactics. Um, well, we're, another thing we're going to talk about much more next episode, but the key opening of that is gaslighting is a mechanism to undermine one's perception of reality. And I just want to flag right now that as individuals, that might be the most important thing we have is our own perception of reality. And that if we're all able to bring authentically, and that word has some nuance, but our own perception of reality out into the theater of the world, to the table, to the garden, to wherever it may, the universe of ideas, then um, that's how we form societies that are the antithesis to gaslighting. That's and well said. Thanks. <laughs> it is, because when we'll get into this next episode, this episode is just teasing the next episode, isn't it? It is. Um, it's perfect. But we'll be talking about the nature of reality and energy and that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just dipping our toes in the water because it's a huge conversation, obviously. Yes, it'll be the first of many probably on that. But in that is basically this concept that you are a unique expression of the universe. And if you aren't authentically yourself and sharing yourself and you're just forced into this assimilative worldview, assimilation culture, that is what's harming all of us because mm -hmm. no one was created to do that. I mean, not just humans. Like I, th I think of any animals that are around you, any plants, each one is exactly unique, exactly unique. So anyway. Yes, and it's the taking away of that the undermining of that that causes for fracture and disease and disease included in the discourse of a population. It's why we're so we seem so isolated and differentiated and divisive when those things are part of nature and reality also, but we're dwelling in them because we keep repeating these cycles of what we're gonna continue talking about here. Yep. And a person's perception of reality is their sense-making abilities. Yes. So, and that's what we're cutting. We have only our senses to use to perceive the world. And so, yeah, they all, yeah, and the mind can play tricks on the senses. Well, the mind can convince you into anything. Yeah. That's why the mind is dangerous in that way. 
and that's exactly how gaslighting works. So what are some of the mechanisms of gaslighting? The first one is lying to you. People who engage in gaslighting are often habitual and pathological liars and frequently exhibit narcissistic tendencies. It's typical for them to blatantly lie and never back down or change their stories even when you call them out or provide proof of their deception. They may say something like, you're making things up, that never happened, or you're crazy. Lying and distortion are the cornerstones of gaslighting behavior. Even when you know they're not telling the truth, they can be very convincing. In the end, you start to second guess yourself. Los Angeles now recommending masks in public indoor spaces, even for people who are vaccinated. Dr. Anthony Fauci saying the CDC is not changing its mask recommendations because the vaccines appear to work against the Delta variant. They may understandably feel that they want that extra degree of precaution, and that is just fine. But the overall countrywide recommendation of the CDC has not changed. Something has changed, and what has changed is the virus. The CDC hasn't changed, and the CDC hasn't really flip-flopped at all. What's happened is that when that earlier recommendation was made, we were dealing predominantly with the alpha variant. Dr. Anthony Fauci saying the CDC is not changing its mask recommendations because the vaccines appear to work against the Delta variant. They may understandably feel that they want that extra degree of precaution, and that is just fine. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Lying and distortion are the cornerstones of gaslighting behavior. Even when you know they're not telling the truth, they can be very convincing. In the end, you start to second guess yourself. So for me, that is the role right now that I see of government and pharma. Yes. <laughs> and if you point it out, and you start trying to have what becomes a confrontational conversation with people who believe that dominant, always shifting story that they get to call learning and science, people that have questioned it from the beginning fall in this category of othered, othered peoples so, so much so that it seems like we're fighting with you because, a war, because also a war has been declared. Like, not just on the unvaccinated, but on, a, on the virus. And so the mechanisms have us fighting, which, you know, that's why I love talking about these things openly in this kind of format and welcome anybody ever who disagrees to engage with us on any of the platforms in comment sections or, you know, come on and share somebody who has altering perspectives on anything ever though, because that's the fun exploration of talking about things that can, that re, that's the way you remove gaslighting from the equation though, is open dialogue then that doesn't shift to this place of, yeah, of focusing on truth only coming from, only being allowed from one source. Yes, because as you and I believe certain things, the people, and to be fair, like we all trust different sources and different, you know, like explanations of things. And um, even within, since this is like 
placed into the realm of science. Yeah, which... <laughs> which it just drives me nuts. I hate when people say that. Yeah, it's industry. It's totally... Well, yes, it's totally industry, but... I just feel like so... Like, people who say that must literally never read science because if you read science journals at all, like... Everything is contradicting each other all the time. Yes. And that's only the stuff that's been funded, that's been allowed to be published. Like, I mean, this isn't going to be an episode criticizing the institution and industry of science. Um, but basically, at the very beginning, there were very respectable, reputable, intelligent human beings that had a very different version of reality. When you say in the beginning, you mean of like- Of COVID. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, of this whole COVID chaos. Yes. Um, and none of those people were able, I mean, they did, they definitely shared their perspectives and beliefs, but they were literally targeted um, from the very beginning. So it's like, this is like lying um, is also like suppressing, silencing people of opposing belief. Because if you were actually concerned about people, about truth, about the right narratives, and this is what, you know, a lot of people that we, you know, get our information from say is like, they would honor open debate. They would honor transparency. They would actually have deep nuanced discussions between world renowned people, you know, even within this expert authority model to say, hey, these people are both brilliant and geniuses. They have opposite views of this thing. Yeah. To come out from the get go and say, this is settled. We know what's going on. We have a team of only these types of people that know everything going on and everyone else is just a liar, a scammer, uh, you know, that is where we're coming from. Yeah, that it's it's like it's the difference between culture and cultism or a cult in a way like, you know, they the both have the same root word for a reason. Culture can become cult-like, like when especially if you're nationalistic or you know, you're into, you know, warring with your neighbors, those kinds of things. But most culture happens out in the open, though, at the same time. We know when those kinds of events happen. But when you start um, denying that full open dialogue with all perspectives, then you become this narrow minded gaslighting cult. Um, I don't know what else to call it, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, before moving on to the next one in our pre-discussion meeting, you also talked about this concept as being the whole too big to fail notion. Mm -hmm. Did you want to elaborate any, at all about that? Well, we have the just, yeah, I mean, it's where narrative always is important. These things are, these institutions have been all deemed by this tagline of too big to fail that's been running through our public awareness and they're like conditioned us that that's a real phenomenon that that these big banks and these big military industrial complex that the medical industrial complex is irrevocably in, intertwined with since it since the Civil War, if not before, but the American Civil War is a big sort of moment of global 
consolidation of powers um, for this military system and medical system that um, have grown along with our banking systems and the oil and gas industries and the tech companies now are the new um, kids on the block in this and all the coders, the Bill Gateses and the Zuckerbergs and the Jeff Bezos, I don't know if he's a coder, but you know, these tech company billionaires now are the people of today that run these institutions that by law we've said are too big to fail. And there's this other part of that narrative that's called, that they call in plain sight. And I say they call it, but like, you know, it's just in our collective storytelling that we admit that they're doing all this stuff right in front of our eyes. And the reason that they get away with it is because they're too big to fail. They're the companies they get to declare an act such as the PREP Act that removes all liability in, from the pharmaceutical companies and anybody enacting laws or policies on their behalf in case of an emergency. How convenient for these companies that already have so much power and control to and write money. to write and money to write a law, yeah, to write a law like that, um, and they get away with it because it's been preconditioned to allow them that much power and control and money, um, and they're celebrated. They were, you know, people were writing jingles about Pfizer before the vaccine trials were over because they were like lusting for these things that they couldn't possibly have known anything about, especially at the time. And still, what do we know about them? All right, stop, vaccinate and listen. We are back with a brand new injection. Hiya, Pfizer. Hi, Ben. You got any extra shots? Sure, Ben. Sleeves up. I'm a Pfizer girl in a COVID world. Will this ever stop? Yo, we don't know. But stuck in lockdown really blows. People think Vax is a scandal. Take two shots and COVID's handled. Pfizer, Moderna. I know you weren't. Get one, but you gotta wait your turn. I get to the Vax site, get what I want, son. You get what's left, bitch. Johnson & Johnson. Money stacks. Hands. Cacks. Arm. Vax. No mask. No mask. No mask. No mask. All right, stop. At the time and still, what do we know about them? My, my, like you said earlier, like, are you, have, has anything shifted for you? My questions about the vaccines are the same as they were from day one. Like, what exactly is it? And, and what exactly is it? it doing? And what exactly <laughs> is in it? Yeah, that's what I mean by what exactly is it? Like, fully non-transparent, public disclosed information. Anyway, we should continue yeah. on with the gaslighting uh, narrative. Right. But that, those points are important. So the first one was lying to you. So the second tactic used in gaslighting is discrediting you. People who gaslight spread rumors and gossip about you to others. They may pretend to be worried about you while subtly telling others that you seem emotionally unstable or crazy. Unfortunately, this tactic can be extremely effective and many people side with the abuser or bully without knowing the full story. Additionally, someone who engages in gaslighting may lie to you and tell you that other people also think this about you. These people may have said a bad thing about you, but the person who is gaslighting you will make every attempt to get you to believe they do. To me, this came off as the whole like fake news kind of thing. Uh, you know, the 
what do they call it? The disinformation dozen. Yeah, Dirty lumping dozen. everybody in as a conservative. Oh yeah, that's the biggest one. Vice News is one of the worst with that. Oh, and Vox. I kind of had to stop listening to both of them, to be honest, because they were so one-sided. And I was like, whoa, I live this reality that you're trying to, like, con like uh, what would you call that? Like, um damn what what would that word be like just take like essentialize i don't pretty much yeah yeah, basically yeah you're just looking like a, for a more of a harsher like a firmer word than a congregate but mm -hmm. essentialize either way just like you're they're trying to like put everyone into this little box that you're only a right-wing conservative white supremacist individual um that has no regard for anyone around you is only about your personal sovereignty, autonomy, and liberty, and rights, and everyone else can fuck off. And um, that is the picture that these institutions of media, Vox especially, and I mean, because I just saw an article that Vox posted about how it was like, we'll link it to, but it's like, it was linked, it was talked to, talk, <laughs> It was talking about how, um, how like the, basically the anti-vax movement stole the conservatives or something like that. Like it basically was painting a picture of how like everyone in the conservative and anti-vax party are like this one in the same, but that's just not, that's just not the true story of the world and if you only listen to those types of headlines that is what you believe yeah well if you dictate the way you think about the nuance of individualism through this identity politics of you're either one thing or another like we've you know you're already just in in a lost gaslighting story of its own um if that's what politics and paying attention to your own community is to, to you because uh, that's after all what politics should be about it should be about paying attention to your central where you live community first and foremost and then extrapolate out from there but gaslighting is is having us focus on the war in ukraine like well without... we'll get to that next because that the next tactic of gaslighting is distracting you right and i didn't want to bring that up necessarily because like i don't have a lot really to say about it i'm not super up and informed on it but one thing i do know is all these power players of the world are members of things like davos and the world economic forum which just this week there's been this rush to by the west the anti-russia faction in this global theater uh, that happens they're all on the same team oil and gas trade worlds and they always are and they, but they just make little maneuvers and manipulations to make it seem like there's actually there they just started flagging people that are Russian state-sponsored media, including individuals that work abroad and overseas and stuff like that. So they also scrubbed Vladimir Putin from the World Economic Forum website. The, and he's no longer, you know, a player there, uh, oh, you know, because he started this war anyway. As if he was uh, any holier of a person before this occurrence, though. Right. <laughs> but or, yeah. just, just And saying. all the things. And like the U.S. who's... A key member of this institution hasn't been bombing countries in the Middle East and, and African nations. Tulsi Gabbard, our former 
representative got back from some hyper secret mission to Africa, military mission to Africa that I, I, you still don't, can't really find much out about. Um, there's just all this militarism that that is part of this story of, of gaslighting. A lot of times it's just distraction from things we could be coming together on to yeah, let's keep it to talking yeah, about distraction at this Sorry, moment. Sorry, I went too much on a tangent there. It's okay. <laughs> um, so distracting you, when you ask someone who gaslights a question or call them out for something they did or said, they may change the subject by asking a question instead of responding to the issue at hand. This not only throws off your train of thought, but causes you to question the need to press a matter when they don't feel the need to respond. Mm-hmm. I mean, that comes up in so many ways that I can think of, um, including like, I don't know if you want to share about this, but at the very beginning of the pandemic, you started working on this documentary and you were personally calling the all of our like city council offices, the mayor's office, the governor's office. And I mean, mostly can't get a hold of anyone. Yeah. Um, but even so, it's like how they then choose what information and questions they'll answer, who they will then reroute you to to answer the questions. It's just like um, part of distracting is like almost sending you through this loop and maze. And I also feel a similar uh, feeling like when even like, um, like, you know, White House press conferences or briefings. Mm -hmm. It's like who gets to ask the question? Yeah. How many questions are they even allowed to be asked now it's like so limited and it's all pre-scripted it's all you know it's like maybe not word for word but you know there there's no good gotcha moments <laughs> <laughs> no not anymore they're, they're like all buds <laughs> they're like oh well, yeah yeah absolutely yeah i don't need to say much about that but yeah i mean i'm still working on the documentary because you know <laughs> Documentaries take time, and, and this story is not um, going away. And I realized early on that part of the story was the way people would or wouldn't answer. Um, one thing that's funny to me is I will continue asking on social media for people to share with me who, who these experts are specifically that know for sure things to contradict what I claim about the vaccines, know about the vaccines and know about disease and health and viral infection. One interesting thing to know about who the experts are in this scenario is like that a lot of the people that you spoke with were our quote unquote experts of our state and what you find out when you actually talk to them is actually they only get all of their guidance from the CDC or, right. I mean, pretty much the CDC in the U.S. Yeah. So. Whichever, yeah, whichever, you know, everybody said, like, says they have, like, some specific experts that they go to, but they don't ever actually provide a specific person it's always the cdc or maybe anthony fauci people should not be walking. there's no reason to be walking around with a mask when you're in the middle of an outbreak wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is if you do a pcr test right 
it's it's highly specific. Uh, obviously, there are confirmation tests that you'd want to do if you just get one because there can be contaminations with PCR. And what has changed is the virus. The CDC hasn't changed and the CDC hasn't really flip-flopped at all. All right, so the next tactic is minimizing your thoughts and feelings. Trivializing your emotions allows the person who's gaslighting you to gain power over you. They might make statements like, calm down, you're overreacting, why are you so sensitive? All of these statements minimize how you're feeling or what you're thinking and communicate that you're wrong. When you don't, sorry. When you deal with someone who never acknowledges your thoughts, feelings, or beliefs, you may begin to question them yourself. What's more, you may never feel validated or understood, which can be extremely isolating, shaming, and difficult to cope with. That's what I've been saying. Yeah, well, that is how the narrative of anti-vaxxer just generally is presented to the population so that on an individual level and on a systemic level unvaxxed folks are made to feel like they can't possibly understand what's actually going on and that there's some sort of like dirty um, dangerous um, scourge on the rest of people um, which I think is encapsulated in, in that. Do you have any other thoughts on that no, part? Not really. I think it's pretty clear. Okay. The next one is shifting blame. Blame shifting is another common gaslighting tactic. Every discussion you have is somehow twisted to where you are to blame for something that occurred. Even when you try to discuss how the abuser's behavior makes you feel, you're able to twist the conversation so that you end up questioning if you're the cause of their bad behavior. For example, they may claim that if only you behaved differently, they would not treat you the way that they do. I don't even know if anything needs to be said about that part. Oh, that's funny. I felt the opposite. I was like, I have so much to say about that one. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 all I meant by that is sort of that, yeah, a lot can, like, I have a lot of, that's exactly it. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to read this article before coming on to be able to talk about it better, but I actually forgot to do that because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a perfect human being um, but it's basically pretty n well established that in a lot of instances scapegoats are made out of people to deal with frustrated emotions to deal with anger and um, this this was an opinion piece and posted in a German newspaper examining this. I think he was a psychologist. We can put it on the screen for the video. Um, but basically it was this dude studied um, basically a cult that were these end of times type people like doomsday people. There was a end of the world day approaching. And he was looking at like basically what happens when that day comes and the end of the world does not actually manifest. 
Um, and so you see this like re, re, reanalyzing of it like a, a new date is presented like in the group they're kind of like oh well you know we we got it wrong okay but but it's still happening like we didn't lie we just messed up a little bit and it still is happening and they kind of re-justify it to themselves so that you know inevitably will keep happening but essentially when you have this in-group mentality that then becomes wrong because your lived reality and your believed realities uh, aren't in alignment anymore. The group gets very angry and frustrated, but you're part of this group. So you don't take it out on each other because that is what is bonding you together is the belief in this thing. And so what you have, what, I don't know if you have to do, but what happens in these groups is they have a scapegoat formation where then that anger becomes displaced onto someone else, onto another group of people um, so that these emotions are allowed to be expressed. But what happens is that these other groups of people that are the scapegoat are have nothing to do with the realities that these core group of people are choosing to believe in and I say all this to bring it back to like this is how we perceive the pro vaccine community from the very beginning if you knew anything about the research of this vaccine technology from the past many decades you would know that there was a very high likelihood that it was not going to be as promised and um, I think a lot of people either didn't bother to ever read that research, decided to just listen to the media, decided that Fauci was their favorite person on the planet, and just listened to him and Rochelle Walensky and everyone else in this just chaotic circus of... Josh Green. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, like you know, trusting that they knew what they were talking about, trusted that, you know, initially the story was the only way out of this is a vaccine, which is not true. This is not what a lot of doctors, scientists, and researchers were saying, but this is the official narrative that the media and Fauci took. So then all these people were sitting around, twiddling their thumbs, doing nothing, waiting to get super sick and on their deathbeds if that was their fate, um, because that's what they were directed to do, and basically wait to either be put on a ventilator or be put on remdesivir, which will kill you no matter what. I probably shouldn't Both. say that, but <laughs> statistically speaking, that drug is very dangerous is so what is, I'll make my official statement on. So is being put on a ventilator. Like they, and, and this is not fringe no information it is very dangerous yeah and and then on top of that um they were told wait for the vaccine and that the vaccine's going to be so effective that it's like you know doesn't matter that it didn't even make it out of trials at the point where they were saying it was going to be so effective and then when you actually look at the published initial pfizer data it was in some instances, not even as effective as the placebo, but yet they still claim 
this is like going to be the most effective thing. So then as it is released, as more people are taking it, as more people are taking it, more people are being forced or bullied or coerced or pressured into taking this, um, you know, we see it slowly stop working or not working. And then they have to change their narrative. They have to change it again. Like, oh, no, 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 like, oh, it's it still works. Like, you're not going to be put in the hospital became the new story as it was like not yeah. working. It reduces severe illness and death. It reduces severe illness and death. Um, Shifting so narrative. you need to still take it. And then it's like, but then when all the hospitals become filling up with vaccinated people and vaccinated people are still getting COVID and they're like, what the hell's going on? This is not what you said it was. You know what the narrative becomes? The unvaccinated people are to blame. And that's what this whole podcast is about. That's what our recorded episode is kind of about. Um, and honestly, and it's not true, but they, it's the story. And they backed out of the story a little bit by shifting from Delta to Omicron. Another moment of shifting the narrative. They started saying it was a little less um, severe, but more virulent. So that justifies the fact that everybody, including um, vaccinated and now it's like a latter variant even though they all are variants of the same moment in in time and the same non-original novel virus that was you know was a variant of the original SARS virus if you can even prove that but anyway sticking to wh where we're at now um, you know it is the story of anti-vaxxed as like a code word, um, like as though that can't be a choice just from the get-go, no matter what they end up calling a vaccine. And so it's baked into our culture and our medical system that this word reigns supreme. So when a vaccine is introduced and if it's in a dire situation, like a necessary uh, respiratory pandemic, then if you don't get it, then you're treated like an anti-vaxxer, not just a person who's chosen not to be vaccinated um, and chosen to do certain things for their own health a certain way. It might have been for many years or decades, might have just been a few years, whatever it is, shouldn't absolutely not matter. But um, we, we let a lot of these power structures dictate the the rules of the game for for everybody and who can and who can't access certain things um it's very prevalent in so many spheres across our world um that and yeah we'll make more points of these in the second half okay, okay. what's what's left denying wrongdoing so people who engage in bullying and emotional abuse are notorious for denying that they did anything wrong. They do this to avoid taking responsibility for their poor choices. This denial can leave the victim of gaslighting feeling unseen, unheard, and as though the impact on them is of no importance. This tactic, is, this tactic also makes it very hard for the victim to move on or to heal from the bullying or the abusiveness. I think this is an important point, part, moment to highlight how this is not 
like it's not just that we're all in this same story um, when I question it people act like I'm living in some sort of alternate reality which in a way I am that's true but two things can be true at once I'm live you're right I'm living in my own truth and knowing that I don't need that thing um, but I'm still in the observable world, we're still taking in all the same things. And so both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated um, are part of this dominant oligarch world, big pharma, medical industrial, whatever you want to call that, those giant systems that are the WHO and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that are all intertwined to make huge profits off of these systems as their main goal everybody's being gaslit by that story, whether you chose to get it or whether you chose not to get it. And um, I, I just think that's a, the most important thing to come back to as we keep kind of trying to pick apart the story. And there's a lot of um, huh, deep rooted feelings on vaccination and, and unvaccination, um, non-vaccination. But um, I, I want to be able to talk about these things with the vaccinated parts of our population so that it's also I care about everybody and I want everybody to see what's going on here um, and be able to know for themselves what's good for their own body in a true way not guess whether or not and not be I don't want to be part of like the if you want to get the vaccine you should want to get it because it feels really good for you and building your health yeah there's nothing wrong with that for if that's how you feel but if you're like also getting it and you're like hesitant and you're like thinking in your mind all oh, those crazy anti-vaxxers what if they're right don't do that either like don't go get it and have this wavering thing like try you can we can all individually and communally come to a place where we know what's best for us in a given moment and i think if we really analyze the gaslighting culture that we all live in we can unwind some of these stories that have us fighting with each other and making poor decisions for communal and individual health and, and well-being yeah, and real fast, this isn't really about denying wrongdoing, That's but okay. just something you said made me think that I was speaking with this woman down the street from me. Um, I'll leave it at that. To, you know. And um, she has grown adult kids, and uh, we were talking, and this was back way back when. She was like, are you going to get it? You know, the jabby. And I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we had talked about food and health and all sorts of things up until this point. And she was like, I don't want to either. But basically, she was like bullied by her kids to get it. And she did not want to. And then, you know, I talked to her later. I see her pretty frequently. And I was like asking about her and her decision. And she's like, oh, yeah, I ended up getting it. And it was just so sad because I, I knew because she told me and I felt it in her response that she did not want to take it. And she told me she reacted badly to it. And um, I won't get into that. But like that story is very common. I've heard that from so many people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's the narrative then of don't do it for yourself. Do it for someone else. Yeah. Um, which is 
what I consider to be part of the next point, actually, which is using compassionate words as weapons. Mm -hmm. So, um, I won't read all this, but uh, sometimes when called out or questioned, a person who gaslights will use kind and loving words to try to soothe over the situation. They might say something like, you know how much I love you. I would never hurt you on purpose. You're not vaccinated. You're not nearly as smart as I thought you were. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, do it now. Do it now. It could save your life and it could save the lives of those you love. Um, but basically, that's how I consider this grand narrative of um, don't do it for you. Do it for your community. Do it for your do it for the elderly. Do it for um, all of this. It's like it comes from a place of love. It's like, don't you love your Ohana? Like care for them, you know, like mm -hmm. like we love our Kapuna. Keep them safe. Care for them um, as if someone else's health is always your responsibility and it's just not and i just from i have had an issue with that this whole time of like almost the way i feel and this is an emotional response from me but it's just like how dare you say that you don't care about other people if you choose to do what's best for yourself. Because at the end of the day, all you're ever responsible for is yourself. And it's not selfish, it's survival. I'm not gonna, you know, hammer the nail on the head, is that how you say this? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> how's, the, how's the expression? I, yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm so bad with um, colloquialisms hole, like that. Beat the, the oh, beat the, the nail on the head. I'm not gonna beat the nail on the head, but you, I, yeah, you should want to do that, I think. But <laughs> I we don't want to um, overbeat the nail of the head of the nail, I suppose. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, now I even forget what I was going to say, so it doesn't matter. But it's. I just feel like it's very unfortunate that... Um, some people these days really cannot comprehend that there's a million ways to provide care and love and support into the people in your community and the environment that you live in that also contributes to health and well-being um, that is way more effective than something that is brand new, that is super sketchy, and that many of us will never ever take. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's just unfortunate that it's been so that people have been so swept away. Um, and yeah. I'm not saying that those people are bad people. Like, I think it's not they're bad because they don't see that what they're doing is causing harm. It's I hope and wish that the way they truly believe they're causing help and care in their community they could expand their understanding of care to see how other people are caring in different ways. Like expand that we're all doing things for care because most humans care yeah. about other humans. Like, so using it against you though as a marketing tool, which is what the media's done, um, it's what our health department's done, it's what everyone's done, um, to persuade, bully, coerce individuals into getting this thing. Um, 
it's just it's just another form of gaslighting you it just is in the federal mandate to that exact point um for companies of 100 or more um mandating them to um require vaccination and all their employees in the retraction of it months after it was put out because the court the supreme court struck it down um they they say that the reason for it in the first place was for the good of the unvaccinated so that they don't they aren't in danger of contracting covid-19 as though the federal government through its system should decide what's good for all the employees of the nation um of this we we've we've beat the nail over the head of how experimental <laughs> these vaccines are but they're highly experimental i mean if you read the eua they use the word experimental and that it's an ongoing experiment and we don't have experimental data for this this or this or this or this so many times in that document and since there have there are no external third party trials for these vaccines cuz part of the gaslighting of the vaccine uh nar- story and actual physical rollout of it is always shifting what's required and so they vaccine they vaccine they vaccinated the placebo group of the original trials so you can have no long term studies past 6 months um or regular term let alone long term let alone years um and then they mix and matched the vaccines so people that you know they stopped really testing the johnson and johnson one i guess because they told people to get one of the other ones the moderna or the pfizer which were always the which were always the prize darlings of the vaccine industry getting this mrna technology that had always failed out under the guise of it's necessary now and it's an emergency and oh my god science has figured it out Um, wow just in the nick of time they pulled it together (laughs) the ultimate superhero myth story like coding the vaccine pharma industry in this savior complex realm of oh yeah they did it and science was the reason yeah people buy it they do they bought it hard photos to make sure everyone else knows that they did their part exactly (laughs) um part of the in crowd yeah um and then my favorite one to end because this has been a long intro but um My favorite one, rewriting history. A person who gaslights tends to retell stories in ways that are in their favor. For instance, if your partner shoved you against the wall and you're discussing it later, they may twist the story and say you stumbled and they tried to steady you, which is what caused you to fall into the wall. Hmm. Um, Which brings about confusion and you're guessing what the intention is. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's how I... (laughs) also see this moment of time is like but instead of maybe saying rewriting history which maybe they'll do it at a later date they um change the story headlines and 
That's why at the very beginning of this, I wanted to say that for you and I, our story has been exactly the same. It has not changed from day one of this whole madness. Yet there has. There's has be, had to change because the belief and the reality didn't match up. Yeah, and that's rewriting history is an ongoing process for them in order to distort and reduce the um, perceived harm and um, just perceived validity of what, what they're saying. Um, and so they're always rewriting it. They rewrote it again just in the last few months as two years in now they've built enough time in the public conscious and subconscious of all these rules and fears of variants and coronavirus disease 19. Um, and now what's changed? I, I don't see anything's changed. Cases were still are still high, I guess. I don't know, but we don't hear much reporting about cases anymore. And they're, and they're eliminating all of the COVID restrictions, although not all of them, especially here in Hawaii, will have, will have an ongoing indoor mask rule. Well, also, I mean, the federal government stopped tracking cases officially. Like hospitals used to have to report to, uh, I don't know exactly what, I forget what, ex where exactly uh, yeah. office-wise or whatever they were reporting to. But yeah, the federal government stopped that a while ago. So And they reclassified a huge percentage of cases as like being called with COVID. No. Which we've been saying from the b right. very, very, very beginning that people were being misidentified as going into the hospital for one thing, being mandatorily tested, which is the test is should never be used as a diagnostic tool, um, flagged as positive for COVID, even if they showed no signs of symptoms or COVID, and then called and considered a COVID case, which yes. is a way that they intentionally inflated numbers this whole time that many people have documented very well, but only now do they bring it into their accepted narrative, mainstream accepted narrative. The uh, Rochelle Walensky said it, so um, official yeah. CDC, yeah, CDC CDC narrative. And um, why do they do that? They did that because at some point the U.S. citizens were like, why do we have such horrid numbers? We're one of the worst in the whole globe and we're supposed to be doing the best. Like, where is the discrepancy? And so to um, yeah. deny any wrongdoing on their part, they blamed the hospitals. They are like, oh, it's not us and right. our guidance as the CDC or as Fauci, it's the hospitals for, they've been marking these people as the wrong yeah. thing in COVID in the hospital and classifying them as being there for COVID instead of with COVID. And oh my gosh, that's why our numbers are so high. Even, even though if you read the CDC guidance for diagnosing COVID-19 from early on in the pandemic, it specifically instructed doctors, hospitals, anyone, um, declaring cause of death or cause of illness to err on the side of most in most cases include or call it caused by SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. 
Uh, it's in their direct language. We'll put that in the show notes too. I mean, it, it's easy to find this stuff too. So, you know, it, it, we'll put it in the show notes, but. And so this is, um, and tell me if there's anything else you really want to say too, but this is part of just trying to explain how our story has not changed. Because if you're critical and skeptical of these outside parties trying to distort a reality that does not like resonate with you or is not consistent with the reality that you know to be true, then you're gonna look at all of the things they present very thoroughly. And that is the stance that we've taken from the beginning. We're not like science deniers. We're highly critical of science because we are critical of money and persuasion and what that means for institutions. Um, and the same thing for the medical industry. But this whole thing is basically, if I haven't put it clearly enough, it's easy to manipulate people that don't have their own sense of understanding what they believe. Yeah, that's what it comes back to 100%. And that does not mean I think anyone is not a critical thinker or not wise or intelligent that doesn't believe exactly what we believe. But what I'm saying is when you introduce a crisis, call it an emergency and keep extending that with no real true justification, even though thousands, if not millions of people threw up red flag alarms and said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not what a lot of us are signing on to or believe, including yeah. like, you know, I just want to throw this out there that the first day basically that Hawaii put um, mandates out where they closed down our parks, beaches, hiking trails, everything, we went and protested, just your family and I, we and did. One, one, other person, one other person, we made signs and we went and protested at the beach and we had doctors come up to us and tell us, I forget now exactly, it's been so long, I forget exactly what they said, but basically saying, we, I totally agree with you, but if I say anything about it, I'll be fired. Yes. Like people, doctors in our state came up and told us that. And that is how I knew from the very beginning with every part of my body that this was a total scam. Well, <laughs> and we know. That, that it was just like nonsense and that if you're not allowing the people in the profession yeah. that is that they're the ones actually treating sick people to go off of what they know to be true and they're not allowed to talk about it then there is some deep deep doo-doo <laughs> had to lighten it up a bit well yes to all, yes, all that. Um, I think we can kind of let it now kind of roll into our recording from September 9th, 2021, uh, in the midst of the escalating pandemic of the unvaccinated narrative, which they don't talk about anymore in that way. Well, now the narrative has shifted to we're all going to get COVID, so you might as well uh, get used to it or something like Which that. Which is exactly the full circle of gaslighting that we've come back to well, right, right now. Well, because we believed that's, that that's what would inevitably have to happen anyways. Yeah, and that's what we should have been doing from day one. Yeah. Is live with it like we do all illness, things. but actually talk about root 
systemic causes, I, I, cause and effect also can get a little bit muddied in the water and we can go back and forth all day, but, but like, yeah, um, though we, we don't ever talk about the systemic things in our society that are funded by these same mega conglomerate multinational corporations that poison our food systems, poison our air, water, soil, all these things that keep us from poor health. And then we're supposed to trust these entities that are tied to them to, to mandate not just a treatment, but everything we do operationally as, as people in the world. Um, and um, yeah, now, now we're in the live with it moment. So we can um, kind of- Thank God. Well, not really. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there, we're going to spend a little time away from the COVID narrative in our next, I think, probably many, little, many yeah. episodes. But we had to state our peace, which I hope came off as peaceful. <laughs> we maybe had to rant a little bit, too. Um, yeah, well, when you're when you're feeling attacked you're gonna at times, you know, come off a little bit defensive or aggressive in a way that should be forgivable though over time because I also forgive the people that are like, there's no, this is not out of any ill will that we're bringing these things up. We are just trying to have open dialogue and promote that as the quintessential thing we can do as, yeah. as people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, do we have time for me to just share a couple quick comments? Yes, of course just we really do. Just really fast, because I will not bring this up on any other episode. I just wanted to share really quick a couple comments because I don't actually have... All my closest friends believe very similar to me is what I'll say. So... Um, I don't get in these like natural arguments and I don't seek them out online. So sometimes I just read comments online because I'm just curious. And there were a couple that just made me really sad. And this is why I um, wanted to talk about gaslighting because this is the sentiment is that um, people are basically saying, I did everything right. And now I'm fearful that I'm still giving other people COVID. And it's like debilitating. Like people are talking about how they're having breakdowns to their therapist because this is the problem. When you make it your responsibility to take care of the whole world, no one could ever hold that in any situation ever. It's not your responsibility that the climate is what doing whatever it's going to do. You can care about it. You can contribute to solutions. It's not your responsibility. It's just not. Um, I guess on the other hand, you could say that it's everyone's responsibility, but like it's not your sole burden to do everything, to fix everything. It's impossible. Yeah. And this is the new burden that I think the younger generation is growing up with is like um, the righteousness uh, flag in the ground. You know, it's like, if you don't do absolutely everything in your power at every given moment for every single type of person and you know, then you're to blame. And that's just completely toxic. I think it's a part of like this grind hustle culture that like puts everything onto the people instead of looking at like the systems that have fucked it all up in the first place. Totally. Um, but I wanted to 
maybe I'll just read a couple real fast about specifically COVID and how the narrative has changed because the nation gaslit everybody. And now these are what the consequences are. This is what people are feeling. Um, so one person tried to like post and this was reshared, reshared, whatever. We can put a screenshot. I'll send this to you, put it on the screen. But um, someone posted, seeing so many people saying I did everything right as if, or sorry, let me start again. Seeing so many people saying I did everything right as they say they have a breakthrough case of COVID, it's dangerous to moralize contracting a deadly disease. You cannot personal responsibility your way out of a public health disaster, which is interesting. What they're basically saying is don't beat yourself up because you got vaccinated and are getting COVID and sharing it to other people. It's not your personal responsibility. You can't put that on yourself. But yet that seemed to be the same exact argument that these exact social channels that I follow were saying to begin with. It is your personal responsibility to do everything in your power because other people can't. People with autoimmunity right. and all this stuff, even though apparently to the CDC and the FDA and these people, those people are the priority people that should have been getting it in the first place. Yeah. So the the point is everyone's going to try to put things on you all the time and it's not your responsibility. It is not. And so, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, uh, but they love to say that like it's some sort of privilege to not get vaccinated and choose that for mm -hmm. yourself when, but you know, yeah, I mean, the contradiction's right there in the terms, like it's not your personal responsibility, except that is the leading reason everybody always, the CDC and anybody expert talking about it. And then anytime I've had direct interactions with people questioning my vaccine status, it goes towards like, but it is your responsibility to do it for everybody else. That's what I believe. Um, and but that's not what we believe. <laughs> right. And it's not it's not a privilege to choose something different than you in and of itself. Like privilege is a loaded word. Like it's a privilege to be alive, maybe. True. But, it's the ultimate privilege. But like that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, otherwise, you know, the nuances of structures of systemic things in society, we can, you know, you can go back and forth on privilege all day, but just to choose a, a, a way of being medically different than you um i have one right in front of me having a working immune system and the ability to get vaccinated is a privilege not everyone has okay but, yeah what do you know about my body and my immune system like that's where it's just like yeah okay but then that's where you're right then do it for you if you think that's good for your own immune system um, but that's where this myth of my immune system affects your immune system has to go out the window. Right. Like it, it does in some ways because vibrationally people with poor immune systems are shit to be around. And in that way, you don't like, you don't want to be in a low energy environment for your health. You don't want to be around people that are unhealthy all the time because that's, can be un unhealthy, <laughs> but you're not transferring illness by being around somebody who got sick. Yeah, we'll have to get more nuanced into that one. Um, <clears throat> 
So here's one more. As a healthcare worker who's vaccinated and constantly wears masks and cleans, catching COVID had me feeling I did something wrong. Sad face. Needed this, feeling like after all this time of trying to do what's right, getting COVID is inevitable, especially since I'm a teacher in a non-mandated state. It makes me sad after our efforts this whole time. Um, then here was another one. This was posted by a doctor. This is an example I feel of gaslighting. You're vaccinated, did everything to protect yourself and your loved ones. You caught COVID. You feel discouraged, ashamed. Don't be. Omicron is totally, I'm going to say totally, plus plus contagious. You're feeling better or will soon because you're vaccinated. You're protecting our hospitals and ICUs. Thank you. Prime gaslighting propaganda right there, um, even if they totally believe in it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I think... Um... Oh, should I read this? I sent that to somebody and then I actually made a little comment. We can clip it out if we don't want it, but I'll read it anyways, mm-hmm. just and then I'll shut up. <laughs> okay. That post I said um, should read... If you believed all of our gaslighting efforts and did exactly what we told you to do through our disinformation campaign and believed us, you're probably feeling very confused, hoodwinked, and full of guilt and shame right now. Don't worry, though. You're on the right path. That's all part of the plan. Everything you did matters, even though it makes no sense. We don't really care about outcomes. We care about compliance. And you, friends, have done exactly that. Keep listening to our guidance because we're the experts. And definitely don't question anything we've told you to do. Don't listen to your unvaccinated friend that hasn't been sick at all during this time. They're just dirty hippies who don't understand. You're the true heroes. Keep on keeping on. Perfect. (laughs) Leave it right there. I am sassy sometimes, but I do deeply care about everyone and their health. Well, I think we always need to maintain a sense of humor about everything. Like, you know, part of the gaslighting is that certain people aren't allowed to joke about COVID and certain people are. Right. And there was a really specific time on that, too. And it was funny how it literally in one week changed that now everyone could do it. And until that point, anyone who did was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's on all the talk shows. Yeah, only if you were making fun of skeptics in the beginning were you allowed to make jokes. And those were the jokes. And they, that's still a heavy part of the story, and it will continue. But now you can joke a little bit about how the thing kept shifting, yeah. which is a hint of admittance of the gaslighting from the gaslighters themselves. And it As goes it always on goes. And on and on. All right. All right. We'll see you next week. Well, we'll. After this, we'll have some more. (laughs) From September 9th. Oh boy, where to begin? So, there's a heavily escalating and, um, I don't even know what to call it, really. How, How do we describe this moment of mass global vaccination on the scale that has never been done before with the most rapidly developed um and and vaccination is such a relative term um these are new technologies never before used as vaccinations before 
um, how do we describe this moment um, of escalating totalitarian mindset around what medicine should be and what you should think about it and what you're allowed to think about it and then the now um today the federal government of the united states has announced that they're going to fine companies with 100 employees or more um and i forget what the exact amount is but we'll maybe bring it up and put it on the screen like fourteen thousand dollars i think it's like just the maybe the initial fine uh if they don't get proof of vaccination from all of their employees, proof of vaccination being full vaccination, which, as we also know, is a relative and ongoing thing that they're trying to figure out as we go along. There's nothing settled about what full vaccination is because we don't know how long these vaccines last, whether you got one dose or two doses, like whether you got the one vaccine with one dose, then I don't, I don't even know what the rules are. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, so just to stay within the realm of what is the story, though, and, and storytelling, um, uh, in, we're now in early September, um, and the vaccine rollout began in December 2020, just before the new year. So we're coming up on almost a year of, of them starting to vaccinate people. And in June, at the end of June 2021, uh, the Associated Press reported a, a story with this headline, nearly all COVID deaths in the US are now among unvaccinated. And that story has not died. That story has not died. It's carried on, it, it's carried on um, through basically without more any more investigation into like where this story came from and by investigation I mean like just this story ran and then on the the future stories that are um, upholding this myth are all sort of based on the truth of this original data gathering um, and so a few things. Uh, my my question in, immediately back in June when, when I saw that this headline was being tossed around um, by people in social media and the mainstream media and beyond, uh, my questions are immediately, is this true and how do we know? And the first thing that you know, you might do is read the actual article with the headline suggesting that nearly all COVID deaths are in the U.S. are now among unvaccinated, because the guard, the article goes on to demonstrate that. Do you remember what this was published in? The Associated Press published this, and they published it based on an internal Associated Press investigation of data supplied to them by the CDC, is what the article is essentially about. And they are, you know, they're relatively transparent about the lack of efficacy of the data that they're describing and using for this headline conclusion in the body of 
the article. Um, the, 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 the article begins with this sentence. Nearly all COVID-19 deaths in the U.S. are now in people who weren't vaccinated, a staggering demonstration of how effective the shots have been and an indication that deaths per day now down to under 300 could be practically zero if everyone el eligible got the vaccine. There's no citation associated with that declarative statement to open this article, and it, and it makes a lot of very serious claims um, that are still carrying on in the media today uh, that if everyone eligible got the vaccine, the, the count could be pra of deaths from the disease could be practically zero. That's just a story that they decided to write and tell um, unless you're going to provide some sort of specific way you got to that conclusion um, because it's not in the rest of the body of this the the next the next it goes on an associated press analysis of available government data from may shows that breakthrough infections as we all know now breakthrough infections are infections in the fully vaccinated population a breakthrough infections full in fully vaccinated people accounted for fewer than 1200 of more than 107,000 covid 19 hospitalizations that's about 1.1%. So they are claiming right here that based on the analysis of available government data, a key point in this claim from May, so just from available government data from the month of single month of May shows that breakthrough infections in fully vaccinated people account for fewer than 1200 and more than 107,000 COVID-19 hospitalizations. They go on to say, and only about 150 of the more than 18,000 COVID-19 deaths in May were in fully vaccinated people. That translates to about 0.8% or five deaths per day. Now, my first thing about that is there's no, they, <laughs> there's no public this is just an article the AP wrote based on their internal analysis of CDC data, but they don't print the data. They don't print anything about their process in sifting through the data, or um, they print a little bit here as the article goes along um, about the CDC itself has not estimated what percentage in hospitalizations and deaths are in fully vaccinated people citing limitations in the data. So we don't know what the limitations in the data really are um, other than this one little anecdote. Among them, only about 45 states report breakthrough infections and some more aggressively than others in looking for such cases. So how many out of 45 are aggressively looking for the cases? Uh, how many out of 45? So there's five states that aren't doing it at all, first of all. And second of all... So in those states, everyone would be an unvaccinated person, basically, because they're not tracking breakthrough cases in vaccinated individuals. Yeah, and that's a, that's a whole good chunk of the United States. Five states isn't nothing. And it doesn't, they don't bother to cite which states, so we don't really know from, from this alone you know, how big those populations are if they're in mostly states with rural populations or whatnot. It might be less people, but 
they're basically saying right here in, in a variety of different ways that the data is very inconsistent and all over the place and this isn't really an official statistical analysis, shouldn't be really taken as such, then to, double, to, to just sort of validate their presentation of this incomplete data, they pull quotes from you know, some random experts in the field. Earlier this month, Andy Slavitt, a former advisor to the Biden administration on COVID-19, suggested that 98 to 99% of, the, of Ameri the Americans dying of the coronavirus are unvaccinated. Well, if he suggested it, it must be true. And the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, said on Tuesday that the vaccine is so effective that, quote, nearly every death, especially among adults due to COVID-19, is at this point entirely preventable. She called such deaths, quote, particularly tragic. Flash forward to September, though, there's been deaths from fully vaccinated people. I don't know the exact number, but I know like in Hawaii, ours was reported months ago. I think in July, maybe. So this was be a month after this came out. So to put that sort of inflammatory language yeah. on every single one of these deaths is preventable by this vaccine is just irresponsible, especially because these people aren't healthcare workers. These people are, they have no idea. They're just policymakers. So they're just being spoon fed information anyway. But still, it's like, they don't know if you know about, sorry, I don't know if this is too much of a rant, but if you know about any of the animal testing that was done on these mRNA vaccines before they were ever done in humans, which they weren't because they could never get out of animal testing trials, like the animals that would get sick would get sick later oftentimes. Yes. Like when a new whatever you want to call it, infection, illness, seasonal shift, like whatever that normal kind of like systemic detox period comes in when these animals would get sick, their immune systems would be so overwhelmed and overburdened that they would just die because it couldn't respond correctly. So people that have been hesitant around this have had good and valid reason to wait and see it through and decide for themselves that they have their own calculated risk under their belt for their own decision, their own bodies. And then to have like an administration come in and say, oh, 99% of deaths are unvaccinated people with no actual numbers, with really poor reporting and statistical data, that's very problematic. For all the reasons you mentioned, it's very problematic. It's and completely eliminating caution. There's no more caution left here. Right. There's only full-on force and throwing statistics at you that are, what would you call it? Like, How to lie with statistics <laughs> is how, what I would call it. It's uh, Yeah, I was going to call just, it like splotchy at best, but that's not an expression. It's just fully un, unvetted, untraceable. Like Andy Slavitt, former advisor to the Biden administration, suggested that this percentage of people, like, you know, it, there's just, and, you know, I mean, you, you bring up excellent points about the, the lack of efficacy for it being an, ex, like, 
an ongoing experiment that we're in in real time because never before COVID-19, only because we had declared this national and global emergency, did they rush these things into production uh, because they claimed there was no other way to heal from these illness, this, this one illness. Um, and whether that's true or not remains to be seen. Like we can't, science happens over time, it happens through evo like the evolution of observing <laughs> things like choices, like vaccinating a global population. And it, like, I bring this up now, even though this is back from June, because this was the inflammatory sort of first publication and first media reporting that has carried on the torch on through through now in September, just a few months later, which is a lot of time in today's world. It's a lot of media and a lot of storytelling that happens. But uh, this this article is a great example about how irresponsible it is and how the story gets carried on by people like you're saying who aren't involved with the data collecting directly, involved with care directly. They're not actually in the hospitals themselves or whatever it is but even in those data collections they often are you know hospital boards that have reason to have high covid case counts at their hospitals um that's another that's maybe a story for another time but you know in i bring it up also because in june i mean you're pointing out that we don't know how many people were fully vaccinated in june either really because i mean there's probably an estimation in in the counts but i guess what i'm trying to say isn't that we don't know it's that there were people who were just recently vaccinated and there were people who were vaccinated back in january and then of course there were people with only one vaccine but that counts as unvaccinated if if it's a two shot one dose one dose right sorry um one dose i keep calling it a vaccine too not a vaccine um, whatever a vaccine is. Anyway, um, moving on here. So this is from June 29th, 2021. And then um, there was one other article I wanted to share about just the the way the data was collected and the ambiguity around that. But this this is um, from Vice News from July 27th, 2021. Headline, COVID vaccine mandates are coming, so get used to it. Great title. Great title. Very um, informative. <laughs> it's like, sit down, buckle up, shut your mouth, kid. We're going to the liquor store. Yeah, the... the um, <laughs> Oh, here's 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 a topic for a later episode. The highly contagious Delta variant is driving another wave of COVID-19 infections, hospitalizations and death. The highly contagious Delta variant. Just remember that quote and think about how many times verbatim you've heard that repeated in media sources and memes and your friend sharing whatever it is about the highly contagious Delta variant. Fueled by the highly contagious Delta variant and unvaccinated Americans. The highly contagious Delta variant. 
Uh, and the highly effective vaccine. And the highly effective so vaccine. Results show that the Pfizer vaccine's protection lasts at least six months and is highly effective. After they realized that the vaccine worked in adults and was highly effective. The Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are highly effective. The advice given by health professionals, the advice that I gave, was that the right vaccine for you is the very first vaccine that is offered. We are tracking new developments in the race for a COVID-19 vaccine. British drug maker AstraZeneca. More on that race for the coronavirus vaccine after the big news overnight from AstraZeneca announcing it is now the third drug maker to show its vaccine is highly effective. Uh, and Health Canada continues to ensure the safety and effectiveness of any vaccine administered in Canada. The Prime Minister trying to reassure Canadians as concerns mount over the risk of blood clots associated with the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine. Good evening from New York. I'm Chris Hayes. There was good news on the COVID vaccines today, something we don't get to say every day on this program. This morning, Pfizer and BioNTech announced their vaccine is safe and effective for children ages 5 to 11. Friday, Pfizer releasing new data that shows its COVID-19 vaccine is about 90% effective against symptomatic COVID in children ages 5 to 11. For parents of young children, unsettling news. New data from New York State shows the only COVID vaccine children 5 to 11 can take, made by Pfizer, offers almost no protection against infection. Uh, and the highly effective vaccine. Highly I've effective seen so vaccine. many different news um, or like online articles be published and then the next day or so be retracted. Not retracted, but edited so that the any sort of title that expresses inefficacy of the vaccines or hesitation or anything are being scanned, pulled, changed to make sure that even if it grammatically doesn't make sense, it says <laughs> the highly effective COVID vaccine as like one catchphrase, basically. Absolutely. They love catchphrases. Pay attention to the catchphrases. They write them in PR and law firms. Okay, here we go. I'll read, I'll read from this section right here. And, and, it, and it just gets to the all over the place um, and lack of actual information in this report, in the mainstream media's reporting of breakthrough cases and, and how many, and, and this story of the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Um, the Centers for Disease Control and Pre Prevent, let me start that again. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is expected to issue yet another round of mask guidance on Tuesday, recommending that even vaccinated people resume wearing masks indoors. It marks a shift from the CDC's previous position that breakthrough infections are rare and that vaccinated people don't spread the disease. The CDC has counted nearly 6,000 hospitalizations and nearly 1,200 deaths of people after they were fully vaccinated. And then the agency stopped counting breakthrough infections early th earlier this year. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the article. It's my favorite part. I mean, I, I'm sorry it took so long to get there. I'm, I, I think it's the most important part of the story I'm trying to uh, illuminate here for us about this story called, like, that is now known as the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Um, there's, there's all, I, just, I just ask people to you know question these stories as they float out there and look for 
language that feels a little bit scripted and a little bit just like that other language and void of like the substance of where the where is the data um and where is it coming from and who's collecting f it and who's paying for it and is it even there at all because uh, this story keeps rolling on and on and on hospitalizations and hospitalizations for covid and the new delta variant um is playing a big role in the reporting now and they're still leaning into this language of all of these severe cases or mo by far the most of them are in the unvaccinated but also you you'll notice there is a little admittance of truth in their in their percentages as they're going down they're going from 98% to like now 90% or something like that because over time vaccinated people are going to get sick yeah and then they aren't going to be able to lie about that anymore i think can you repeat that or do you want me to read it one more time because i just want to hammer in the fact that even though they knew the cdc knew that there were 6,000 hospitalizations and 1,200 deaths classified as a breakthrough case. That means they were vaccinated individuals that were hospitalized and died purportedly, supposedly from COVID. I don't know if it's yes, like that. Yes, that, well, that's the that was implied. implication, <laughs> yes. Even knowing those numbers, they decided as an agency to stop counting them. Who in their right mind would ever decide to stop counting something that is clearly a problem? What other way, like, if you're not trying to deliberately determine an outcome, what justification is there to stop counting those cases ever? <laughs> it blows my mind. How does no one, how do people read that? And it's a parenthetical in this article too. Right. That fact is in parentheses as an afterthought. As though it isn't important to the story. It's like the only important thing in the whole story that is supposedly about, is about vaccine mandates. We all got to get this vaccine except like we actually don't know if it's working because we stopped Tracking, tracking whether or not it's working a long ass time ago when i don't really know it's a little ambiguous our data is a little incomplete we kind of have maybe 45 states but some of them you know they don't very aggressively care about um investigating whether or not the vaccinated are getting sick or not you know really who cares about the vaccinated just let them do whatever the heck they want because they're because they came into the team mm -hmm. they got vaccinated they can just do whatever they can get tests oh and actually now you have to get tests like well that was another thing right away with the right when the mass rollout happened, as soon as you were vaccinated, you no longer had to test. And so well, we had that policy down. too in Hawaii for traveling. Right. If you had a full vaccination complete, I think, then you could come here without testing, even though I hope by now we all know that the vaccine has nothing to do with preventing transmission. You can still transmit the virus and test positive on a COVID test. So people will be coming here, whatever you believe in, 
people will still be testing positive for COVID and the people coming in are just carriers of this disease because they're vaccinated. So who knows? Who knows if they're going to die? Who knows if they're going to end up in the hospital? Who know? Like no one. Yeah, the testing's gone. And this is where, you know, what we touched on a little bit in our first episode is like, you know, when data and predictive data and predictive models and these stru- these systemic structures of power are are controlling narratives it's time to just slow down take a step back like and um i don't i don't know what the prescription is beyond that but like that's that's the first thing to do i think and 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 there has to be a place we can come to where we can calmly identify all these red flags that i feel like are, are valid at the very least uh, to, to be raising and concerned about. Well, I think if you're going to live in a world where statistics, speculative statistics are ruling policy, like even now with data, we're still using like predictive. Like, you know, in Hawaii, it's like, oh, well, if we do nothing, this is the curve we're on. But if we do something, here's the curve we're on. If if it gets worse, here's the curve we're on. It's all predictive data and scaling and modeling. Then you better be damn sure that your numbers are spot on. If your numbers are shoddy at best, that's what I was looking for earlier. Yeah, that's the word. (laughs) If they're shoddy at best, then your outcomes are also bogus. And for some of us, living in the real world's not so bad and scary. Um, I've not been scared one day of this thing. No. I don't really know how people are. I really don't because I've never, ever been scared of something like that. You know, I'm scared of maybe getting like Alzheimer's or something. But even then, you know, I read a lot of studies and research about that because I try to live my life in a not crazy way of over prevention, you know, but just like an aware way of, oh, what do people think is going on here? How can I adapt myself to be healthiest? Um, And what that means, I'm always reflecting back to that idea. But for me, living in the real world versus a statistical world is all about, like, what do I see happening around me? And life's looked exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's been tough. Because, you know, I think it's very important that we convene in person and have public convergence of, you know, what I, you know, think about as like the theater of the world a little bit. Um, and um, I, I have this um, sort of back of the mind project of like, a story to tell cinematically or or maybe just to focus on in this podcast is what it might end up being. But um, this idea that democracy, what we call democracy, and it's just an idea. Um, it's not a concrete thing. It's an ever moving and evolving thing. And it's what we all make of it through storytelling and democracy and theater were consequently kind of 
evolved in humanity around the same time in ancient Greece. And, um, and I think, of course, that probably wasn't even the origin of either. They're more innate in us and in the universe than even that speaks to. But there's this recorded part of history that started evolving where civilizations really started moving into more esoteric thinking and philosophical thinking as ways to make sense of the world, but also to dramatize life in person with a, with a crowd and with viewers. And um, that that kind of that dialogue and and the fact that people are watching it all at the same time is what allows for a greater sort of truth and knowing to emerge um, within us. and. For me, it's like focusing on trying to see the world and embrace the world more in that real and beautiful way. And that drama has this kind of coded negative language in today's society because we're so divided and have brewed so much anger in, in the way we think about each other and the way we think about the earth too, in this separate way, in this othering way that, that, that other people are violent and I'm not. Um, Instead of that, like the, you know, the world is beautiful, even all we've done as humans creating things that are a little bit or majorly destructive on the scale of grand scheme of things, but that the natural world itself, though, holds this magic and beauty that like we all need to play in more together and observe more together and appreciate more together and storytell about more together and all those things um, in that through that we can come to greater common grounds because I think you mentioned it and you know when, when I actually talk to people about health and wellness and even the differences of how we perceive the COVID-19 narrative ultimately we agree on most things it's like these little little micro stories that trigger us that that I think though are healthy and the, the the discussing of those little things and trying to come at them I know I, I, I it's something I need to improve on in life and I'm working on like from as grounded and heart-centered and loving a place as possible as much as possible um, and and yeah just seeing what that expands into um, and with that <laughs> hopefully um, getting more people to accept other people for for who they are in all sorts of different ways and this, but but in this particular moment it's like really like it's a wow moment for me um, watching the divisiveness over like just what it means to be healthy and like what we're allowed to do to exist within the world um, and not allowed to do and what 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 things are allowed to be talked about or not talked about and when when you can only talk about things in this very myopic um, quick to judge and data centered way you're gonna miss a whole lot of things and when we just are at war with one mutating virus amongst trillions and trillions of viruses in the universe and this one virus is also like thousands if not tens of thousands of variations and mutations itself 
when we chase down that and go to war against that as our main focus on health, we leave out just so, so, so much and end up hurting more people than we're helping. Um, and then when we lean into experimental medicines and concoct stories about them because our, it's in our self-interest for whatever reason, I'm not saying these people are bad people, but we all operate out of self-interest. And if you're wrapped up in that story and in those dominant power structures and it's your role to promote the vaccines now, you're gonna promote them. Like our mayor said the other day you're, to, to people that were trying to have dialogue with him that, that are opposing vaccine manda mandates in person, his response to them in person at the end of like a, a second or third in-person dialogue he had was something along the lines of, I should probably just play it. Uh, um, I just don't have time for this. It's, it's occupying all of my time. It's taking away from what we're trying to do. And they said, well, what are, what are you trying to do? And he said, vaccinate as many people as we can or something like that. And you know, that that's just a, where does that mission come from? Yeah. I think these stories are important because I think there's kind of this overall mm, myth that's in our heads in society that like getting a vaccine makes you stronger not even COVID related, just in general. And that like unvaccinated people are like weird hippies or like frail or um, I don't know, this idea of like being unprotected or like, I mean, that's at least something that I think I've picked up on previously to this time. And I just wonder zooming out these stories of like the pandemic of the unvaccinated like categorizing it in this way and getting the narrative to be more and more like oh these are the inferior people even though the science that's come out is the opposite like a natural immune response is actually superior to a vaccine and lasts longer But we're twisting it largely to make it seem like these vaccines are highly effective, like more than anything else, even though that's not factually right. But that's like the narrative and story going on. And I just wonder what harm this is going to have for people that are unvaccinated. Like, I don't think most people un like know unvaccinated individuals or have never talked about it before or any of these things, but I feel like it's almost like this putting putting on others like, oh no, this is for your own good, you yeah. know? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I have, yeah, always have lots of thoughts on this subject, especially as a lifetime unvaccinated person. I've, I've shared that with partners before and maybe a few real close friends, but for the most part, it's not something I've talked about or cared to talk about. Uh, for the most part, the people that have been really close to me like tend to know though that I, you know, I focus on eating well and those kinds of health things and I don't really go to doctors. Um, but but it, yeah, it's it's it's, Charles, 
writes about it in a recent essay and talks about how societies will ostracize certain people from their populations in moments of great division and struggle and oftentimes like when they're growing and moving into a, a new story they will cast um, a group of people as sort of not just inferior but he uses words like dirty and and which really ties into what you're talking about but as far as like the established myths and mythos is that a word like yeah this this kind of like it's in the language of vaccines save lives and vaccines work and vaccines eradicated da 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 what about this episode of vaccines saving the globe which are all just stories like getting into the back and forth over your data and my we could go back and forth for forever but like you're pointing out some important things even within the dominant germ theory scientific narrative there's so much published data on how natural immunity meaning like if you have gotten sick you are now set up to not as likely get this disease or this illness going on into the future. We can talk about why that is for forever, but there are actually many studies that you talked about a few last time. Like I have a document even titled COVID-19 natural immunity. Within four weeks following infection, 90 to 99% of individuals infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus developed detectable neutralizing antibodies. There was something published in science. They looked at people who never had contact, then were infected and had only natural immunity response because it's a real thing. Um, or were never in contact with the virus and then had a vaccine as a naturally immune person will create antibodies for i mean with certain things it's lifelong there we haven't lived a lifetime of covid so no one can scientifically validate that but every length of time that they've looked at these studies they've continued to find natural immune body responses and antibody production throughout the remainders of whatever studies they are. So if it's an eight month study, they last eight months. If it's longer than eight months, they last longer than eight months. So like we can make arguments about the statistics all day and ultimately it just, it, it comes back to what story is true and asking ourselves in the quiet times and in the quiet places where you're not going to necessarily have an emotional reaction. And, and I, I try to do this also and am not going to stop doing it in relation to the COVID story or other things I explore about the world, but really asking what is true? And if that's true, what else is true? And why is that true too, though, becomes important, especially when we're talking about stories that are really structured from systems of hierarchy like this this one is emerging from those kinds of systems you can't deny that um and so you know some caution and some understanding and some empathy for for folks that like hold different perspectives than you might i think is just 
has to be the lesson of this moment um, and not just the vaccine debate. It's, it's really in so many arenas in our social, socio-political circles today. And um, um, that's sort of my, that's my final thoughts on it. Um, do you have any other little words of wisdom or of thinking about how to trust more in this process for especially also though for those that do agree with us because there are millions of those people and I, I hope um, some of them will be listening um. mm. I don't have a catchy sign off <laughs> that's okay It's a struggle always to keep this idea of like differentiation while being part of this great oneness, you know? Um, and a good metaphor I like is like that you can think of it as, you know, on your body, this is all one body, right? But your hand is not your foot. And that's kind of how we are in society too. Like we can be part of this collective society, cultural, familial, whatever level you want to look at that in collectivism. But we need to be able to remain differentiated while also still being a part of that conclusive whole. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how we are built. We are both unique and wonderful and part of this larger collective thing that is all things, if you believe that, you know? And so in this moment, I find a lot of um, people try to lean in on this like really narrow pigeonholed way of thinking and behaving, which can be so dangerous, I think. And I think there's so much value in being like able to hold that differentiated self and not fall fully into this it's for the collective because we'll have to spend a whole episode talking about that. But I think like this idea that I'm not doing it for myself, I'm doing it for you. Um, well, is just like, I think first not true on many levels and depending on how deeply you know health, you can really easily just start putting things on in that realm of like, I'm not doing it for me, I'm doing it for you. That can be so dangerous, first of all. You should always do things for yourself. You, no one knows you like you know you, and that's been a fundamental problem of getting us to this place of not understanding health because that power has been taking away from us. But also it's like to not go to i don't know where i'm going with this <laughs> well i i i'll just say like i i think you're hitting on a thing that is really important to me also which is like that i'm trying to work on at, just as a human um and then also certainly in my creative endeavors i'm trying to apply it, which is just to not be guided by either what I think of myself or what others think of me 
but by paying the right attention to what my story is and the loops that like occur within that story that maybe aren't don't need to be real that don't need to define who i am or the way i show up in relationship to other people um and and it's really showing up in this vaccine conversation and it just it dawned on me because i'd be thinking about it more in a reflective way about just all my relationships um and how i can show up better in those but i think it's an important thing i mean this is about relationships and who you are in relation to other people do you really believe that people don't have the ability to understand health and well-being of their own body and 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 that we don't have the power to understand fully and know these things and that something might be right for you and not right for me but you can't you can ask what do you need to be there for somebody um but saying you need this because i need this is starts to just that story is a dominant colonial hierarchical patriarchal story that if you can't see that story then you're not going to and you can't see it across so many of our systems and stories then you're going to miss it in, in terms of this uh, especially if you've been vaccinated 30 times in the last 20 years that is your story and your identity and they save lives and they've saved your life you you couldn't believe otherwise and i get how could I, you believe and otherwise and i get that but yeah please get though that i'm here <laughs> and like what i have done is valid in my life and i've never been vaccinated rarely been to a doctor and the reason that i've been able to do that is because my parents learned teachings from thousands of years that are thousands of years in the making that they're just still learning and growing and trying to wrap their hands around because we're all emerging out of this story of imperialism and colonization that that keeps us in these cycles of poor health and war and mhm yeah and there's something i've been posting on my like instagram page a lot which is that you can care about health and you can care about people while still being critical of the western medical system. I think you and I talk deeply about how to make care-centered communities, how to look at health from this lens of like what needs to happen all around us and environmentally to really make us be healthy and not just on a material level but on a spiritual level and So it's just I guess to say that people are being assholes, you know, because they don't want to take this into their own bodies. Like I it's just an invitation I guess is what I would leave it on that people that aren't taking this in their own bodies also deeply care about you and other people. It's not like a fuck you it's for my freedom and my individuality <laughs> like perspective which i think that's what the mainstream media has been sh- really highly showcasing but like most people that i know yes it's about sovereignty and autonomy over your own body and freedom and liberty but isn't that what we all want anyways you know to be able to freely 
make your own decisions and move about in the world? Like, what is it all for, liberation movements, if it's not to be able to do that? Otherwise, you're just steering yourself into a highly oppressive way of being. So I, I can empathize with a lot of different perspectives going on here. And this gets to just like kind of operating on the story level of this moment and continuing to think we need a moonshot vaccination and all these endless vaccines and and how that operates on this other, you know, with all of our other colonizing mechanisms of overdevelopment, overextraction and war and, and this quote that he that he quotes at the at, after the title chapter Miracle. We have tried everything possible and none of it has worked. Now we must try the impossible. Soon Ra. And it's like about imagining that things you don't believe in are possible and the reality that we all, but it's like we know this thing is possible. At the yeah, and we time. didn't even get to talk about the pandemic movie in that the intro <laughs> no we can save that for I next thought time. we were gonna talk about that in the pandemic narrative just about how stories like where do we find ourselves with stories you know like and that pandemic is it a documentary on Netflix that came out like right as this whole COVID stuff yeah. was coming out well, I think but there was that guy real fast yeah. who's he is on a stage and I don't know what he does with pandemics honestly I don't remember because what I remembered was him addressing this crowd of people and the first thing he says to introduce his talk is like you know we all have that one hippie friend who like you know doesn't take pharmaceuticals doesn't I don't know if he said get vaccinated or whatever he specifically said but he's like that one hippie friend kind of outside of the system and they never get sick and then he just like blows it off as if they're just like <laughs> an anomaly or something you all might have those friends, right? It's that annoying hippie friend of yours who's like, oh, I never take the flu shot and I'm fine, right? Some of them may be right. <laughs> but why the hell aren't we all protected all the time? I don't, when you start really understanding health or you've studied health and you see the breakthrough cases of people that get terminal illnesses in the Western medical system, leave the Western medical system and try alternative treatments for things, like, you'd be shocked how many of those people go back to their original doctors and they're like, what up, dude? I'm alive. And they're like, you know, they go into these doctors thinking like, oh my gosh, their mind's going to be blown. They told me I was going to die. Like, I'm going to change their life and their practice. And they don't ever care. They rarely ever care. Some of them care. And then some of them move out into functional medicine. But most of them are like, oh, you know what a chance yeah. like that was weird oh well it's like it's so obvious sometimes in front of you and humans are so quick to just disregard it or sweep it under the rug it's like well you know that's them or whatever and to like have those types of people maybe leading those talks like that guy in that thing is not like oh wow they they don't get sick like what are they doing that works it's like oh no they're the weirdo <laughs> well it's very telling that 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 netflix series that came out in january as the pandemic was becoming an actual story 
uh, January 2020. That intro from that guy is very telling, and I think it's a I think it's a conference on pandemic preparedness and vaccinations, mm-hmm. maybe or something of that nature. And and then the other moment of that that I remember strongly is there's a like young lady who's like very passionate about getting into the field of infectious global pandemics and diseases and the 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 thing that inspired her to get into it is the hollywood movie outbreak it's just a matter of time where the next pandemic is going to start we just don't know where or how but we know it will i remember at a very young age watching a movie called outbreak and in this movie, you hide a novel virus that quickly spread. You know, healthcare workers get suited up. And I was like, oh my God, working in that high-risk environment, this is amazing. That was a formative moment for me. And I've been pursuing a career in infectious disease preparedness ever since. I can understand being inspired by movies. <laughs> yeah. But... But Mo- which movies and which stories yeah, inspire you? Exactly. And on what level are they inspiring you to take action in the world? Because that movie is about a small town in California that gets the Ebola virus from, or not the Ebola virus, a made-up virus, viral disease from an African country, of course, because that's where the West always tells the stories about where these diseases emerge from the dirty, indigenous, oppressed places by the West. Mm-hmm. Um uh, anyway, uh, this this monkey gets loose in this woodsy area in California, and this town, whole town, small town, smaller town gets infected. So they're able to isolate and quarantine this small town, nobody in, nobody out. Very militarized, very inspiring, uh, very like, you know, you know, if you, if you want to do that kind of thing, like that's the world you want to live in. I get how it's inspiring, but like literally, the plot evolves to like whether or not the U.S. military is going to blow up this small California town because the infection has gone beyond the control of the science world, and then at the last moment, they find the isolate the proper virus that has now mutated or something. Oh, no spoilers. Yeah, sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> this is the end of the movie. And they miraculously save the town with a vaccination. As we know, that's not how vaccines work. As we can see in real time right now, there is no moonshot that comes in and just all of a sudden everybody stops getting sick. That isn't the way that the world works. Um, that's how the world works. That's how the world works. <laughs> that is how the world works. Really? That is how the world works. <laughs> Move over, Office references. You're all Bo Burnham now. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, pipe. That's okay. You leave me hanging over here. <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to say? Can we call it a wrap? Two hours. That's in? a wrap. That's okay. a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Cold tea. <laughs>